All right. Welcome to Peggy's Recovery Corner. We are here today. This is a recovery podcast. We talk about all things recovery. We have various guests that come on and talk about their personal recovery. Some are professionals that work in the field of recovery. Some have uh, expert opinion and expert uh, education about recovery. We have a very special guest today. He's a good old friend. His name is Nima. I've known him for many years. Um, welcome to the corner. Thank you, Peggy. Good to have you here today. It's good to be here. So we were just wrapping and chopping it up right before we, we got here just about what's going on currently in Nima's life. But um, on the podcast, we like to go a little deeper and go back into your past, uh, where you're born, raised, upbringing, family life, and then uh, things that we get into, but then how we get into recovery. So who, who's Nima? Tell yeah. us. Who's Nima? That's a good question. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Peggy. Mm-hmm. I've uh, I've watched this podcast. You know, I love podcasts. Um, probably watched every episode of Joe Rogan. Oh, so, I know you're a Joe Rogan, dude. Fan. You're like the Joe Rogan of recovery now. <laughs> you got the look going down. So, like, I love it, dude. I love what you're doing, and uh, I love that you're reaching a lot of people. But uh, yeah, man. Um, who is Nima? That's like something I've asked. I still ask myself today. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but just like. I guess the general information that I can't lie about. Um, no sound? We got no sound? What about it? YouTube. There's no picture. Oh, from YouTube? Here, you know what? Says you're live. Reload it. Okay, so just go ahead and keep flowing. And okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Whatever no worries. You talk about. So, Anyways, so um, I was born in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, super random. Um, my parents, they're both, uh, they're both uh, American immigrants. They, uh, they, they were both born in Iran, mm-hmm. and uh, came out. My dad came out here in 1970. Landed in Lubbock, Texas, of all places, you know, like didn't speak a lick of English. Uh, landed there to go to school out here. He was going to be like most Iranian, your uh, Iranian guest. My dad went to school to be an engineer, you know, mm-hmm. um, and his plan was to move back. Revolution happened. Those plans got wiped off the face of the earth. Right. And uh, so he just ended up staying out here, you know, like building a life for himself. Met in my Texas? Mom. In Texas, yeah. And he, he traveled a lot, you know, um, my dad's a big mystery, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, he's got stories for days. Um, anyways, met my mom, um, overseas. He got kind of like matched up by one of his, uh, his aunt matched him up with one of her friend's sisters, right. you know, who turned out to be my beautiful mother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they got, they got married and. He was pretty much showing her around America, from what I understand, mm-hmm. and I just happened to land it, uh, be born in Philadelphia at 2 a.m. on mm-hmm. April 27, 1992. I only know that, and that'll give you a hint into the type of girls I like to date, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, yeah, so I was that, that's where I'm from. I was born, we moved around a lot. Um, uh, my dad had a uh, different types of businesses he was involved in and he was opening up all these uh, businesses Mm. throughout the States. And um, yeah, so I lived in Connecticut, 
Um, I lived in uh, New Jersey. Um, I think we lived in Chicago for a little while. We lived back in Texas. Um, so we moved around a lot, but by the time I was like three or four, mm -hmm. that all that happened by the time I was four, we moved to California. I remember like some of my first memories were in Irvine of all places, mm -hmm. which I loathe Irvine. It's just so flat and like perfect. I'm like, ew. <laughs> um, no offense to anyone who lives in Irvine. If you like it, I love that for you. Um, so yeah, I grew up out there, um, started going to school, I guess from the way my mom tells me, she's like, Nima, you were always a tad bit behind everyone else. Like you learned how to walk three months after yeah, everyone else, average. you know? So I was like, yeah, just a little bit below average, you know, which like seemed to be the theme of my life, uh, in terms of like how I viewed myself. Yeah. But uh, anyways, growing up, uh, everything was good. My parents, you know, they were pretty cool. Um, I ended up having a sister. Um, she was born when I was six. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, things were going good, you know, just like any other kid. Got bullied. Life was normal. Parents. You got bullied. Where were you going to high school during that time? Like which part? Oh, well, I was still, this is like still elementary school. Elementary school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you were in Irvine? Yeah, I was in Irvine. I was going to a place, Vista Verde. Okay. I don't know how I remember that, right. but anyways, it was, yeah. it was right over by that Persian market where Whole Foods used to be. Whole yes. Choice. That's where it was. And why were people bullying you? Because of uh, your I, dude, I was like different, you know. Like I, I, I didn't want to be at school in the first place, so no. I was like kind of like antisocial. I had trouble making friends. I feel like I was so in my head as a kid. Like my escape was like film, you know. Right. And it was like really awesome because like my mom, she would like sit and watch movies with me, right? Mm -hmm. And that was like kind of our bond. And her English English wasn't so good. Right. So I would have to explain everything going on in the movies, you know? So I really got into these films. And that was, like, my escape. So I was kind of antisocial. I got into Star Wars. Like, while the teacher was always teaching, I'd be, like, trying to move my pencil with the force, dude. Right. Like, in my head as a six-year-old, you know? Right. Never did it, but um, still trying. Um, but, yeah, I was just kind of like an odd kid in the clouds, I would say. Yeah. You know, like, dreaming. Like, I wanted to be a superhero when everyone else wanted to be a a police officer or like a nurse or a doctor, you mm -hmm. know, I was like, I want to be like Batman, you know? Yes. It's not, the, <laughs> it doesn't work, you know, sometimes in, in, uh, in terms of like kids seeing them, they're like, why is this kid so weird? You know? Yes. But even like the culture we had growing up, you know, a lot about Persian culture. Oh, yeah. It's very, it's very organized. And like, you have to follow a certain thing. If you're mm -hmm. doing like, once again, fundamentals, if you're doing these few things, you're Persian, you know, and right. you're doing right. I didn't want any of that stuff, which kind of, like, freaked me out because, like, I, I felt like I was always trying to fit a mold I couldn't, like, get into. Right. And I didn't want to get into the, any of that, you know. Like, a lot of kids played soccer. I hated soccer. Mm -hmm. I only played because my dad wanted me to play. And, I like, like a lot of like a lot of dudes, like I live for attaboys. Right. You know, especially from people I look up to. And like approval. Exactly. Yes. Dude. So like I would I would like go play these soccer games just so my dad would come on a Saturday and watch me play. Would he which, come? Uh, yeah, sometimes. If he could, he would. Yeah. You know, at the time I was like, my dad's missing a lot of my stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was just like, why? You know, but now growing up and I see like my friends are fathers. Like, I'm like, oh, dude, that's a hard job. Like, yes. my dad did so good, mm -hmm. you know? Um, this bullying that would go on, was it, were you, 
protecting yourself, sticking up for yourself, or were you just so it was because I probably wasn't sticking up for myself. I was so like scared of everyone. Mm-hmm. I was I was I wasn't big like now like obviously you know I work out and stuff yes. like I was not a big kid. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, like I said, I was a little bit below average. Everyone went through puberty uh, before me. Everyone got taller before me, mm-hmm. like just a little bit behind, you know? Yes. So like things like that, I would get bullied. They'd call me names. I had a different name, mm-hmm. you know, like my name wasn't Mark or Matt. You'd make fun of your name? Nima. And then that, that Finding Nemo came out. Yeah, so like, probably calling you that. Dude, still to this day, I go into circles, like new communities and they're yeah. like Nemo. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. They feel bad. I'm like, I'm used to it. Dude. Yeah. Um, so things like that, and that got to me. I was like, why am I so, why can't people get my name right? Why can't I have a name like Brian, you know? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, so like things like that. And then, you know, certain tragedies happened in America, you know, that involved ethnically diverse people, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that hit me too, you know? Yeah. I was like the only kid in my school who was Persian at the time, right. you know? Really? Early yeah. During that time? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. We eventually moved to Mission Viejo because yeah. of the bullying in Irvine. So I came here, and it was like a new start. I forgot to go into this. It was like a new start. I was like, ah, I can breathe, right. right? Like, I don't have to be bullied by those kids. These <laughs> kids don't know me. 9-11 happened. Boom. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> here we go again, we start calling Middle Eastern. Yeah, dude. Like, you know? And it was like, it was weird. And I did not, like... My, my mom was like, well, go hang out with the Persian kids. I was like, I don't like those kids. Right. I don't know what I didn't like about them. They were, like, more scholarly. They liked soccer. And yeah. Like, you know. I, I Did you have any Persian friends growing up during that time? I would have, like, my cousins. So I was, like, always hanging out with my cousins. Yeah. And they were all girls. Mm-hmm. Dude. Which, which, like, you know, like, they were dressing me up. Playing with Barbies, you know? Really? Yeah, dude. We would watch like uh, animes like Sailor Moon. I would, dude, I would pray for there to be like a man character in there. And there was, there was, in this one, Tuxedo Mask. Shout out Tuxedo Mask. Um, that was my shit. So I would always latch on to that or I'd play with like the Ken doll, you know? But I, yeah. I didn't have much friends. So that was like my only choice. And uh, yeah, I quickly realized that like I need to find dude friends, you know? But um, and then something else happened too, like being that I couldn't focus in class, and this is a probably a really important part of mm-hmm. like my my development. Um, but it was suggested that I go see a psychiatrist right. and maybe get on some uh, medication to help me focus, which mm-hmm. they did. I went and they, I qualified for ADD or yeah, ADHD, yeah. whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, and uh, they put me on these medications. How old were you then? Dude, I was probably like six, seven. I was pretty, young? yeah, I was really young. Wow. You know, which like turned into a resentment later on, but mm-hmm. like we'll get into that. Um, anyway, so they took me there. They put me on, I don't even remember what they called it back then, probably like Ritalin yes. or whatever. Um, there's so many Concerta, there's so many different ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they put me on that. And like for me, from my perspective, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that's really important to see it from like, the person's perspective was like when my mom took me to that appointment what yeah. i felt was nima you're not good enough you're not as good as these other kids right. whose names are matt and kyle and things like yes. that you're nima and you're not good enough mm-hmm. so we're going to take you to a doctor and he's going to make you better mm. and what does the doctor say he's like hey if you take this this will make this you will, that's what I heard. He was saying this might help you focus. Right, but that's you know? not what you heard. That's yeah. not what I heard. Nima, right. you're not good enough. Right. So 
as I'm going, I'm taking this stuff. I don't like taking it because it's being given to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, yeah, I don't want this. You know, if it was something cool that Kyle was taking, I'd be like, dude, let's go. Right. You know, I didn't like it. And it kept me up at night. Um, I was a chubby kid. I was losing weight. I wasn't eating. So I was mm-hmm. always tired. Um, so I didn't like the feeling that came with it. But mm-hmm. I noticed something, right? Like when I played sports, mm-hmm. I was good. I was On good. it? Yeah. But. Yeah. You know, it was good. Like I could run a little bit faster. Yeah. I could go a little bit longer. I was more aggressive. Mm. I was way more aggressive on it. When someone said something to me, I was quick at coming back at them. Right. You know? And this started developing developing habits. Mm-hmm. You know? Ideals in the head of someone who does not know what they're dealing with. Right. And is too scared to speak up coming from a culture that they come from. Because if you show weakness or anything like that, it's not good. You'll hear about it. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And God forbid the other people find out about it, mm-hmm. you know, outside of our family. You know, that was always a fear. Like, I can't tell people things because other people will hear about it and then they're going to look at me different because pride it's kind of how the japanese view honor right you know it's like you keep this sacred like your 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 image is everything you have mm-hmm. and if your image is bad it's bad on your family right, right you know so that was like a big thing so like i kept those things secret those thoughts you know and i developed this false sense of pride based around this thing that was I was taking. Right. Know? Really? Yeah. You know, so it goes deep, dude. It goes deep into my self-image. So like any good little kid or any good developing addict or right. alcoholic, whatever you want to call it, I start telling myself, one does this to me. How many one will two do Yeah. That? You know, because I definitely already like, dude, my first addiction was like Pepsis and ice cream, dude. Mm-hmm. Like I love just drinking soda cans and me and my friends would see how many sodas we could drink you know like and i never remember getting sick from it i just remember how good it was cracking that can yes huh that tells you something right like that glorification of something that probably wasn't so good because i probably did get sick from it a bunch yeah i don't remember yeah right anyways um so what i start doing is when my mom gives them to me in the morning i cheek them and what the routine was i wake up i eat my breakfast i take my medication i grab my bag i go out the front door or the garage door meet my dad at the car Mm -hmm. and i was supposed to be there before my dad got there Mm. right now on the way out to the garage there's the laundry machine right i had it like mapped out dude as an like seven eight year old take the pill i pretend to swallow it i cheek it as i'm walking out it's like flick it or spit it behind the washing machine Mm -hmm. duck. On Saturday mornings, I tell my mom, hey, mom, I like warm socks. You know, I like playing in warm socks. It just feels nice. It's cold. It's like 7 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, I'll start putting your socks into the dryer. I was like, no, I'm a big boy. I want to do it. So I'd go and I'd crawl Tarzan my way back behind the the washing machine. I'd grab the extra pill. Mm-hmm. She'd give me one that morning. I'd take it every day. Mm-hmm. Grab the extra one. I'd pop it. Had dust on it. You know, I'm like trying to like suck down water to get the dust off. Yes. I'd take two of these things. By the time I got to the game started, I was wider, dude. Right. I was focused. And bro, I'd go at score goal. I was a defender scoring goals, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, and the coach would get mad. He's like, Why are you scoring goals? You're a defender. Defend, you know? And I just, like, I loved it, dude. I loved being able to, like, go and score those goals and everyone's cheering Nima. What I'm cheering is, like, right, right, right. I'm not cheering my own name. I'm cheering the thing. It's not coming from me. It could never come from me because I'm Nima. Mm-hmm. I'm not Matt. I'm not Kyle. 
you know? Right. I'm now I'm on the same level, just maybe even a little bit better, you know? And it does something to me. What it does is it's a, it's a spirit killer, Mm. you know? And that's what I call, I recognize it now. It takes, it's like you're putting some, you just become a case now. Right. And you're putting something in you. That's what makes you special, not your spirit. So your spirit starts to like dwindle as a kid. And I'm, I'm like, I can't take credit it's for like my own. It's mechanical. Account. It just turns right, you into dude. A yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I have to take this and then I perform like this. Hmm. Not good. Not good, dude. Looking back on it, that is not a good way. So how long were you on this stuff? Dude, years, bro. And I would try to get off of it because I didn't Why? like it. Why'd you want to try to get well, off? First of all, I was like, the things that I was good at doing, I did not want to do. I did not want to be good at soccer of all things. Right. Right. And I did not want to be good at school. Right. Right. I want to be good at skating and stuff like that. But one thing, when I liked doing things, mm-hmm. I didn't get the same effect from it. When you were cheeking it in the beginning, obviously, because you wanted more as you grew up, was it because your mom was monitoring it? She, she well, wanted- she was just, I just didn't want her to think that I wasn't swallowing it. I knew I was doing something wrong. Right. But like when the supply was running out and it like was the doctor or your mom. Well, that's what eventually happened because a tolerance happened. So they're wondering like, why? Yeah, is, they're like, why, why, is, why, is, why are there pills? And at first they thought I was giving it away. Right. They did not suspect me. That you're taking more. Yeah. You know, like I was like, this is like from like six to like maybe 12. Right. I'm getting away with that it. How long you were on this? Dude, for a long. And they took me off. They changed stuff. They would change doses. Yeah. I would just do the same thing. But it stopped working. You know, I don't know if they, like, figured it out before I knew they figured it out. Mm-hmm. But eventually. usually they give this stuff to kids that are hyper mm-hmm. to calm them down yeah. and to keep them more focused. Yeah. So Yeah, well, maybe I was super hyper, too. Right. I mean, look at me. Like, I do a like, oh, I still am very hyper, you yeah. know. I just, I've developed laziness, you know, that overtakes my hyperactivity. Not the Nima that I see, but yeah. you're like 30. Oh, I love, I love sitting down on a couch with a pint of ice cream and just, chilling. and just chilling, dude. Like my, like spiritually, I, I, uh, I relate to the koala, dude. Uh-huh. You know, I just want to chill. And <laughs> right. So, so then by what age did you get off? And Okay. So by like 12, the jig was up and I was like, you know what? I don't even like this stuff anymore. I'm like, I'm not taking it. Yeah, I was getting into high school by this time, and it it had effects on me, dude. I had like anger issues, you know. I had a lot of like you know emotional up and downs, yeah. you know. Like like I I, I appeared bipolar because I was like taking these high doses and then coming off and on smooth swings. Exactly. Yeah, dude. and like on top of puberty, like yeah, you know, my body's changing. Yeah. I don't know what the like the heck's going on. Right. You know, anyways, I get there, I get off of it. Um, I start making friends with like some kids, you know, we start ditching class. I start getting into like music, which is like a really cool thing Mm -hmm. Um, because I grew up around, you know, either myself or Persian kids or no friends, you know? So I stumbled upon like a group of friends where like they were like really into heavy metal. Right. Right. And so was I. I. I wasn't at the time, actually. I had actually stolen an Eminem CD. My first CD, one of the first CDs I had mm. was an Eminem CD. And if you remember it, uh, it was the Slim Shady LP. It was his first one. Yes. You know, and on the picture, it had a cartoon drawing of a Vicodin. Right. And it was broken in half and it had a face and it was like screaming. So this yeah. is what I'm listening to. So I have this in my Walkman. 
And uh, my mom, you know, being that I'm getting older, mood swings, she's going through my stuff all the time. Right. I leave my Walkman at home. She pops open the CD case and sees this pill on this thing. She's like, what's this? All right. So she develops concern. Eventually, she gets someone very near and dear to, like, come talk to me. And they turn me on to metal. And, like, they turn me on to Metallica and Iron Maiden. And that changed my life. Right. I went on because you know me, dude. You know. And, and during that time, was Metallica and Iron Maiden still really active? I mean, they were playing, dude. They were playing. They might not they were have been huge during my time. Yeah, they were huge in the '90s and the '80s, especially. That's yeah. when they got their jump. But was this like, in the early 2000s? Yeah, time? this would be early 2000s. So metal was coming. Like Ozzy was big. Like Rob Zombie, Corn, like things like that. Yes. But I didn't identify so much with those bands yet, you mm-hmm. know. And the cool part was I got into System of a Down, who were all like. Armenians and yes. like they come from Iran. And I saw that. I was like, dude, someone who looks like me. Yeah. And they're cool, dude. Like this dude. Yeah, this dude's name is Serge, you know? It's like Nima is cool, you know? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like, oh my God, I relate, dude. I was like, here's something that like my friends listen to, but they look like me. Mm-hmm. It's not like Metallica where it's a bunch of like white guys. Right. And I want to look like them. I'm already here. I picked up a guitar and out of like my obsession, because this is something that comes up a lot with me. I get obsessed with things. I like it. Like it's, I don't, I always say I'm like zero or a hundred and I'm forever trying to find 50, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, So I got into it. I picked up a guitar. I learned every system of a down song. Playing. You play guitar. Yeah. And I learned it by ear, dude. And were you in a band or anything? Well, I I, I eventually, me and my buddies started bands because we were all, we all played instruments. And here's like another thing. Like just metal bands in the Mission Viejo area. Yeah, dude. We just go to each other's houses, drive our parents nuts with the sound, try to make songs, you know? And, um, anyway, so I got really into that scene and then, yeah, you know, our rock stars were like the members of Pantera and Metallica and like Metallica's nickname was Alcoholica, you know, <laughs> oh, like yeah. they're always like all their pictures, they're drinking, they're smoking pot. Party. Yeah. Dude, so this, these were like my idols at that point. Right. Anyway. So I started like smoking pot, drinking, playing music and I love it, dude. And I feel part of, and I'm like getting good at something I want to get good at mm-hmm. for the first time in my life. But with that comes a lot of like outlandish behaviors mm-hmm. and like, Stuff like that. I was an angry kid. So start getting in trouble in high school. They they go they want to expel me because I get into a fight. And I'm and by my freshman year, the second no, the first semester I had 43 office visits. Where the teacher sent me to the office, they called them office referrals. And at this time you're off of the uh, off of everything. Off of I'm not taking anything and I'm like a wild child. Yeah. You know? With no substance. No substances. Wild. You know, untamable. You know, mm-hmm. so they're like, maybe we get them off the substances. I got worse. Yeah, it's just behavioral stuff. So check this out. You're yeah. gonna love this part, dude. Yeah. So being that my dad's Persian, it is a a universal sin to get expelled mm-hmm. from any type of like educational institution in our culture. Absolutely. Like, dude, you're done. Yes. You couldn't even make it through high school. You you're ruining your process. Yeah, everything. Yeah. So my dad comes and he begs, right? His form of yelling, but I was like, my dad's begging right now. Uh-huh. And um, anyways, he like gets them to be like, if he joins a sport, we'll keep him. He can he can finish out his sophomore year and we'll reassess. Mm. So they're like, Nima, join a sport. 
And I'm like, I am over my dead body. Am I playing soccer again? Yeah, <laughs> not playing soccer. No more Surprisingly, I was not down with wrestling either. Mm -hmm. I was like, they wear tights. That's lame. You know, I was, dude, the culture we come from, yeah. like getting, getting, hugging, like getting that intimate Sweating, with another, yeah, yeah, dude, with another man, like no bueno, dude. Yeah. I, I was already different. I was wearing tight pants. I had like plugs, like, you right. know, I like to grow my hair long. I was getting sideways looks from family members already, you know, right. that was, a, yeah. Anyways, um, they're like, you like to skate. We have a surf team. Mm -hmm. I was like, we have a surf team. The, the surfing is not a team sport, you know, still, but I was like, okay, that's cool. I could do that. They're like, dude, you won't have to go to your first two classes. I was a ditch. And you could just go out and surf. I just go out and surf in the morning, check in with my coach, surf for two hours, Come home, shower, skate to school. I'd always grab a breakfast burrito. Yeah. Skating down the Capitol Valley. And dude, it was made. But the best part was in those three years or two and a half, I did not really touch any drugs yeah. or alcohol. Why? I'll tell you. Some of my practices today mimic exactly what I was doing back then. Mm -hmm. I was waking up early. You know, um, quietness in the morning. Right. You know, my dad liked it to be quiet in the car. He'd drive me, right? We'd get there, the beach, right? The second I would go, I would start breathing and, like, waking up, getting the fresh air. Right. I would hit the beach. I would hit my knees. I was not a religious kid, <laughs> you know? I would hit my knees, and I would pray to whatever that I'd be safe out there. Really? Because I'm dealing with a power greater than myself. I am, I am submitting myself before something greater than me. And I'm like, you got the reins. I'm just here to flow, bro. Yeah. You know, let's have a good time. And hopefully we both come out of this alive to get to tomorrow. Hey. And I go out there and you can't focus on anything. Right. It's either you're looking ahead at the waves coming or you're getting thrashed. So it's very meditative. Yeah. And I'm I was breathing. Gonna say, it sounds like like a sort of discipline starting from when you wake up. It's up until you get out there day. and you're in a meditative state and, and you just go out. And then I'm going, I'm like surfing, I'm getting this natural high. I'm one with my environment, dude. I feel good about myself. Yes. I'm achieving something. And then I go and I start my day and I'm just in such a good mood, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's like, I did not need anything higher than that. Like I reached cloud nine in the mornings. I just did that every day for three years. And somehow, for a person who already had very addictive personalities and yeah. maybe even spawned an addiction, because I love, dude, even then, like, if I wasn't doing that, I'd probably be, like, doing those other things every day, mm -hmm. you know? But I couldn't do that and do what I wanted to do, and this was something that I loved. I, like, loved something. So, dude, we, we had a lot of success on that team, but here's the thing, dude, and this echoes in my life to this day, it's like... Sometimes I feel like, and it's not this way, but like, I'll just, let's just say the universe gives me everything I want mm -hmm. to punish me because sometimes I feel like I'm hardwired to self-destruct. Yeah. Cause you know why? Because I don't know how to moderate, dude. Mm -hmm. It's all or nothing. It helps me because I become like obsessive about things right. and I get really good at them because I always still feel like I'm still three months behind everyone. So I got to work extra hard. Mm -hmm. I got to work to catch up on those three months. And then I want to catch up on another month on mm -hmm. you to be better than you, you know, or just better at what I do. And I have ways to cope with that today. Yeah. But back then I did it. It's like a self-fulfilling. Yeah. So exactly. Where you just yeah, and it's like, it's like, it's like doom. 
because you doom, you know? But it's like back then I didn't see that I could I didn't even see it to be able to think that I could even change it or find a solution to it. Mm -hmm. I was unaware, you know, went about it. Dude, we gained, we had so much success with that team. That was a great team and we were winning. Um, People started knowing my name, pronouncing it right, wanting to hang out, got invited to parties and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Found friends. And was this like your late teens? This is the, yeah, this would be like 16, 17 now. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I started doing that type of stuff, I started, you know, drinking again, smoking pot, doing some other substances here and there that I didn't really even know what they were, you know. Just going to parties, this dude's doing stuff, I trust this dude, you know, like, known him since second grade, you know, and he's doing it, I did it too. And then I wasn't waking up to go surf in the morning. Yeah. And if I I woke up to go surf, I was hungover and beat and tired, and my performance started slipping. Mm -hmm. And that's even on the drugs now. You know, right. like what the thing that I thought made me better, but I didn't identify it as the drugs. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, this is lame. This team sucks. It's not what it used to be. Coach is on my case. Yeah. Everything but that, dude. You know, and we got the whole team got kicked off. Because mm-hmm. why? Because we couldn't, we couldn't piss clean. Oh, but everybody was messing around. Yeah, because we were like, dude, we were like, we're the rock stars, bro. Party up. Let's go. Yeah. Dude. And we lost it all. And then I was like back to going to classes, doing being like normal. And now I'm not above everyone. Now I'm back to Nima again. Mm-hmm. Nima the weird kid, you know? And then graduation happens. I graduated. On time? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing, dude. When I when I was on surf team, yeah. straight A's, bro. It was like I never had ADD, anything like that, you know? And they wanted to put me back on the medication at one point when I was getting in a lot of trouble. They're like, this will ease them out. And my dad was like... I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll get you on the medication, uh-huh. but you're not going to take it. And we're going to see if you get better. And if you get better, like, whatever you want for Christmas. And, dude, I'll tell you this. Like, I always felt like I was, like, the poorest kid in the richest neighborhood. Like, all my friends were getting, like, Xboxes and stuff, and I got socks. <laughs> you know? Like, that's what it felt like. You know, aid would come around Persian oh, Union. I understand. Homeboys are getting 500, 600 bucks. You know, I got, like, 20. Yeah. You know? And it's like, let's go out. I was like, ah, I can't go out. You know? <laughs> Mom, can I get another 20? Nope. What? I understand. Stuff like that, you know. Um, some big part of my story. So, like, that happened. I was already I was already projected onto a poor path at that mm-hmm. point. If I kept on the surfing, who knows what would have happened. But when that went down, a lot of other stuff went down. Mm-hmm. Opportunities went out the door. And this is in your early 20s? This is, this is like, 18, 19. 18, 19. Um, somewhere around that time, my mom left. She just left. Right? She's like, she had gone through a lot, went through a depression and then went to Iran, didn't get a flight home. Yeah. And, uh, that killed me, dude. That killed me. That happened a little earlier on, but my, I, I had trouble relating with my dad. The only time I could relate with my dad was if we were watching like Scarface together, you know, or like Godfather, you know, that was like my thing with my dad. My dad tried a lot, but he was not like, uh, he was not He's probably, I'm a lot like him, but, you know, he didn't want to go out and, like, watch me skate. He was busy providing. Right. So I could skate, you know, things like that. So I wasn't close with my dad like that. Um, my mom I was very close with. Yes. And she had gone through a lot that I found out later that I didn't know then. Um, so she left for years, dude. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, me, my dad, and my sister. And this was, like, the keys to the kingdom mm-hmm. of how to screw your life up. 
And it's not, it's, I don't put any blame on anyone else other than myself today. Right. Right. You know, it's just circumstances. This is my journey, you know, and I'm blessed for it, but, and I want to make that super clear. Um, but my dad was working all the time. My sister luckily found the church. So she would go to the church daycares and then she found her tribe there and they like kind of looked after her, which like blessing, you know? Yeah. Cause I'm not the most religious dude. I've studied a lot of religions yeah. and I, and I respect them all, you know, I have my issues, but those are for me, you know, to have, but I was stoked that like these people took her in and she's like the opposite of me. Dude. She yes. loves the Lord, you know, where I was like, in my room, black, poor thing, dude. I was blasting the most satanic death metal <laughs> of all time. My sister's probably in her room, like, praying to Jesus, you yeah. know? Like, no regard for anyone. Yeah. But um, I was left by myself, dude. No, no, no guidance, mm-hmm. nothing. And it was like, cool, I'll I'll be raised by the wildlings <clears throat> that I'm hanging out with. The people that were, yeah, 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 you know, it's just a bunch of metalheads, dude. What do right. you think we were doing? You right, know, right. smoking cigarettes, eating Taco Bell, and like drinking all the time, and sitting in cars and blasting music, like being nuisances to our communities, dude. Right. Um, eventually, that just plays the thing. I meet a chick, she's perfect, she's a metalhead. I fall in love with her. She introduces me to more drugs. You know, I introduce her to drugs, like things like that. And, um, you know, the whole Orange County, South County, Dirty Doctor thing became a thing. Yes. You know, started playing that role, you know, getting prescribed all different types of medications that I probably didn't need. Mm-hmm. I just knew how to get, you know, being coming from a family of doctors, you learn how to speak with them a little bit better, you know? Yes. Um, and I was pretty semi clean cut, you know, I could, I could, I could clean up real nice, you know, coming from the background I came from. Right. Um, so yeah, things happened, dude. I've, it got dark really quick, Peggy, you know, mm-hmm. like I was, uh, my, my best friend had like grow childhood best friend just got out of prison. So he was, uh, you know, shaving his head, wearing matching outfits with his buddies. If you catch my drift, and I, I was hanging out with him a lot. You know, and they were doing big time things for like a little Persian kid who grew up going to Mehunis, you know, yeah, like yeah, little yeah. parties. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, dude, we, it was wild. We we're getting into fights left and right. I found martial arts, which was cool, and that calmed me down, gave me some stuff, but I couldn't be in it. You know, I told you drugs hindered everything. Yeah, drugs always take away. Yeah, drugs. you know, and uh, on and off with everything. Mom comes back finally after years, you know, and I am. Um, I am like a shell of what I used to be, you know, like shaved head circles under the eyes, you know, mm-hmm. probably weighed like a buck 40, you know, right. or I was fat. It was either I was super skinny or super fat, right. you know, and I was like switching substances. I tried to get sober, but it wasn't ever really sober. Right. It was like, all right, I'm going to just smoke weed, smoking weed led to drinking, drinking led to taking a pill, taking a pill, uh, led to like getting some powder powder yeah. turns into what powder turns into, you know, and, and it, I would always just switch up trying to get better, dude. And I had this idea that I was just a, a, a bad dude mm-hmm. capable of very good things. Cause I was like the boy, my mom raised, my mom raised me like to be captain America, mm-hmm. you know, open doors for ladies, respect your elders, be kind to others. If you see someone weak, help them. Right. You know, she saw the strength in me and the resilience. Um, 
Anyway, she comes back, and this part gets foggy for me just because I was, like, under a lot, you know? Um, you know, I hadn't dealt with a lot of stuff from my childhood. Right. You know, that happened that I didn't talk about, but there was a lot of trauma there that I would never wish upon anyone to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I was, a very, I was very afraid to be vocal about that. Yes. You know, because of the culture we came from, I was afraid that, like, people would think I was, like, a homosexual or something, mm-hmm. you know? Which I had nothing against anyone from any creed color race religion anything i just didn't like the way people viewed me if i if if i was that and i didn't know if i was i was too young right you know um so i had a lot of these things in my head of like i don't know who i am but everyone seems to have a good idea and i'm just a fuck up Mm -hmm. things started happening um hospital trips for you know me pretty much going into cardiac arrest Multiple times. As a result of substances. Mm-hmm. At and, that young of an age. Yeah, at 17, oh, 18, 19, right. 20, 21, 22. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, it's funny. I go to the hospital today, they pull up my records, and they're like, is this the same person? You've had this many, you know, like this many of this? Right. By the age of 23? Like, are you okay? Like, yeah. they don't think I'm the same person, you know? Right. They're like, you should have a lot of health problems. Yeah. And it's like funny when I, it's like, no, yeah. Recovery is great, man. Anyways, um, that friend who went to prison, obviously on parole, gets into trouble, gets sent off to treatment. And this is like the cliff notes of my story. Right. You know, I wish I had more time. Um, gets sent off to treatment. And while he's in treatment, he's still hitting me up. I'm coming to the treatment center in Santa Ana. I'm throwing him stuff over the fence, not knowing what I'm doing, you know, now, you know. But, um, he gets popped again. You, like, you did it for him while he was in treatment. I did it for people that were in jail. Yeah, I bet. Tennis balls. I bet, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, uh, that's, I, I didn't get there quite yet, you know, <laughs> but that's the track if I was lucky, you know, mm-hmm. not to die before then. Um, anyways, he, he gets popped really bad. And they're mm-hmm. like, you're going back to prison. He talks to his parole officer. You know, you know who I'm talking about. Tall, tattooed. Oh, guy. I know. Yeah, yeah. very it, charming. Can be very charming. It hit me about five minutes ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a kid I grew up with. He was always older brother for me. Yeah, always older brother. Always looked out for me. Never let me like. He never let me go too hard. Right. Like if he was doing it, I couldn't do it the same way he did. Right. You know, he's like, no, you can't. He's like, he's like, smoke it. You know, or things yeah. like that. When he went away to treatment, I got way worse, and I started doing. I started getting worse than him, but I didn't think so. I was like, if I'm if I'm two steps behind this guy, mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah, you know, as long as I'm two steps behind him. He goes to treatment, anyways, gets popped. He's got a. He gets one last chance. Goes to this place up in L.A. Yes, right, and um, dude, he comes back. He's a different person. You know, it's like, it's like, we've heard the stories, you know, in the circles we've drawn, like there was a light in his eyes, you know? Um, And uh, dude, he was different. He stood up tall. He looked fucking good. He looked like he put on about 30 pounds. Yes. My boy's a big dude, you Mm -hmm. know, like when he's big. Um, And he starts 12-stepping my other friend, Uh you know, like telling him about like recovery and like the journey he's gone through and the and the steps he's taken to um, achieve sobriety. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, dude, this sounds really good. Plus, like, this is like my, it's like my role like model. You're confident. Yeah, dude, I want what he has. But he's telling the other guy, and I got pissed. Why is he telling? Why is he not telling you? 
And he, and we've talked about this later on. He's like, no, I just knew if I told you directly, you wouldn't do it. So I had to tell him. He knew, dude, this he's, kid, right. he's known me my whole life, dude. He knows me better than me. Yeah. So a few months go by, dude. Uh, someone I looked up to a lot, family member, who was like the only, he was one of us. And, you know, he liked heavy metal and stuff. Very, very near and dear to my mom passed away. You know, and I saw the fear come up in my mother about me. You know, my mom had come back. I wasn't talking to her. I was so angry. Mm. I was like, you left us all this stuff. But my will was so weakened. My spirit was so weakened mm -hmm. that that was like the only sense of home I had left was my mom. So I slowly, you know, I'd say hi to her, things like that. And, uh, but I could see the worry sprout up in her. And you knew her at this time. Yes. You, you knew her. Yeah. Right. And you knew how bad I was. I, I remember. In front of you guys, dude, I knew you guys were sober. And I'd come home, like, it looked like the staircase was a slip and slide because I'm like rolling down it, like not even able to catch my feet under me. Yeah. Um, you were angry. I was angry, dude. I was pissed. Um, and, you know, you tried to talk to me numerous times mm -hmm. at that point. I was, just wasn't hearing it. But something happened when my buddy came up to me. And then it was like a perfect storm of events. Right. Of just my will and my spirit weakened to the point where I was like, I can't. And I had that moment of clarity <laughs> on a street corner. And it wasn't, I, I say, I used to, I, I got sober up in L.A. So street corners are very different than they are down in South yes. County. So I have to like clarify that it was in Irvine of all places. It was very glamorous street corner. And dude, I'm like sitting there in the fetal position. The last time where I was like, sobriety's not for me. This was the last time in the fetal position, crying, dying. I have a backpack full of all the drugs I could ever want. They're not working. Fish. Yeah. And I'm that dying well. at 23 years or 22. Yeah. 23 years old. Yeah. I'm shaking, and this lady and this man come up to me. He's a priest, right? He starts praying over me. And I don't know, I don't remember calling my boy. And he's up in LA at this time, but he shows up out of nowhere. It's like a dream, right? And he's like, I got him. Gets me in the car, takes me home, makes sure like I'm okay. And uh, he's like, I'm going to get you into this spot. Because I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. I'm crying, like just totally lost. And it takes about a month. So what comes after that is a, a very not so pleasant detox. Mm -hmm. And I was still kind of out of my mind at this point, Pedge. I was angry. I was pissed. And I was like full flight from reality. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go to detox, dude. I, I thought they were going to like probe me or something, you know? Yeah. Like, so I was like, I'm not going to detox. And like people are like trying to take me to the doctor. They're like, dude, Nima, like it's suicide. Everything that you're on. For you to detox on your own, you're going to die. Right. You know, there's no way in hell. And I was like, cool, I'll go. Dude, I book it out of that doctor's office like like, like some, like, spy movie, you know? And I, like, go to my buddy Tyler's house who's a normie, never touched a drug in his life. Right. He's unconsentedly smoked weed because we forced him to. You know, he's, he was that kid. Never touched anything. Right. But he just hung around with us. Uh, I go to his house and he lets me detox on his couch. His mom was away. Um, dude, I messed that couch up. Mm -hmm. I tried to buy Tyler another couch. He wouldn't let me. He's like, oh, no, it's okay, bro. I messed that couch up, dude. I was taking a shot of Jameson like every hour, right. tapering myself pretty much. And I was like, I, I bought a huge bag of weed and I locked myself in his house. Mm -hmm. 
And dude, it was the gnarliest thing I've ever gone through in my life, pain-wise. You know, like just it felt like falling from a hundred-story building. Yeah. Every ten seconds, like that feeling of free-falling anxiety just going through you, and then body aches. Like it was unnatural. You know, I felt like I was gonna die. I was like, either I'm gonna get sober, or I'm gonna die here. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like defecating myself, throwing up. I couldn't hold down water. I couldn't eat anything. Shakes, delirium, tremens, everything for like a month. But right, because I didn't do it <laughs> under medical supervision. Anyways, I clear up just enough. I and then all the while Matt takes me to a three day metal show somewhere in between that, you know, and I'm like over there, I'm like, we're sober together. He's like, No, you're smoking weed and drinking. You're not sober, dude. You let you go. <laughs> you know, yeah, he let me go, he took care of me. And there was there was some temptation there, dude. When I went, I wasn't all the way sober, but I, I knew how to easily find what I needed. Right. And I almost did. And through some miracles that happened that night, I ended up not touching anything that could have put me back in my detox right you know um so i eventually get to this place in santa monica they scholarship me they didn't charge my parents a cent dude you know and they had just opened they needed it right but it was kind of indigent at the time it was they were taking a lot of parolees probation guys so it was, dude there's not orange county kids there right you know it was a bunch of like big 250 pound white dudes who were like six foot something uh, talk like Hispanics, like, hey, fool. you know, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like Southsider dude, yeah, yeah. but they're white dude, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, they turn, they dude, they could write a book this thick on making your bed on the creases and folds, you know, I'd never experienced so that. they were strict, super strict. We had to be up at five, gym, 5 30, get your coffee in, come back, clean up, shower, do your thing, breakfast, regimented, dude, military school. Then we were, dude, it was the sickest thing. The coolest place I've ever been. This and I was wish, a treatment center? This was a treatment. Dude, we were doing Muay Thai in the courtyard. Right. You know, they were taking us surfing, you know, like we were going on hikes. We were doing fun stuff that brought us life. And then they were really big. And your boy went there before you. Yeah. yeah. Dude, the day I got there, so, like, my idea is, like, we're going to do this together now. Yeah. The day I get there, he's like, hey, bro, I'm dipping. I got this girlfriend. I got to go. I'm going back to Orange County. He's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I just got here. So he's like, you're not allowed to leave. He's like, you don't know the strings I pulled to get you in here. He's like, if you don't finish, I'll kill you. And I literally thought he would kill me. It's a very intimidating yes. dude. And he's got older brother complex on me, dude. Anytime to this day, we still like get scrappy. He'll beat me. You know, he'll beat me just cause. And he's taller. But. Um, so you stayed. I stayed, dude. I stayed. And I like, I had a lot of trouble once again. It was like being a kid again in school, like to make friends again. People thought I was weird. I'm like this Persian kid with like tattoos. Like I don't make sense. They're used to like Glendale Persians and yeah. like Westwood Persians. Right. Bro, you know, like. Do you think the place was overly strict? Some might think so. That depends on the person, I think, you yeah. know, because I could go to a plush place like, you know, a place in Malibu. Right. And if I'm like, I've never had any structure in my life, that place is strict because they're just simply telling me to make my bed. Right. It was what I needed, dude. I was, I was like a dog off his leash, rabbit. Dude. So then it kind of brought back memories of the discipline that you had before when you were in the surf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Structure, dude. And we're doing the same types of things, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Hey, bro, you're not it. 
You're going to do it our way. Why are you here? Mm -hmm. Always being reminded, no one's forcing you to be here. You can get the So there was ego puncturing. Yeah. Behavioral modification. Behavioral modification. But people don't like to call it that these days. I mean, if you have bad behavior, there's behavioral health. Mm -hmm. There's behavioral, you know, treatment centers. Yeah. None of them will do behavioral modification. Well, it's just like people get so caught up on the terminology because you know me. I work in the field. Right. You, know? well, you went to a place where, if I'm not mistaken, the at the time, I know he's not the owner anymore, but he was also uh, at one time a musician. Okay. So that was the cool part, right? We talk about a lot of recovery circles talk about attraction rather than promotion. Sure. He was never promoting his place. Right. He's like, this is, dude, he's like, this isn't going to do it for you. You right. can't just come here, get an oil change, get back on the road. Yes. You know? He's like, if you think that, you're going to have to come back real quick for another oil change once you run the tires off the car. Right. You know? Like that type of mentality. Right. He's really straight up with us. He's like, what you do. That's what I was going to get. Yeah. At. He's like, he's like, what happens here is we give you enough of a cushion mm-hmm. to figure out that what's going to keep you sober is out there. Mm-hmm. See, the reason I bring this up is because I remember the way that you were when you went there. Mm-hmm. I remember the few times I talked to you, I tried to get you involved in some stuff, and you were always respectful to me. You were always nice to me, um, but you weren't quite ready. And then when you went there, I remember talking to you, and you would tell me about the style and what they would do in that place. And you came back a different person. I mean, you didn't come right back right away. You stayed up in the area in L.A., and when I would see you, I was like, this is a different guy. Mm-hmm. And then when you would describe to me – the the model of like what was there and especially mm-hmm. him in general mm-hmm. but probably people that were under him too um you would often say things like the guy's a straight shooter he's no nonsense he yeah. tells he's assertive he tells he, he comes with I love needed that. you needed that so and obviously you know this doesn't just matter if you're like a persian kid with a big ego because we come from egotistical families i think it could be anybody of every any nationality yeah. the the ego the disease the devil um all the different things that we can, the illness, whatever we want to call it, regardless of the fact, is is going to need some modification. Well, think about it like anything, right? It's like, it's like let's say I deal with like my weight, yeah, right? Yeah. And I want it to change. What, what's the first thing I have to do? I have to modify some things in my sure. life, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, I can't do the same things. Eat better, work out. Well, that's what people think. Yeah. Like, like with like people ask me all the time, they're like, how is like you exercise a lot? That must be it. Right. I'm like, yeah. no dude, exercise is like 30% of it. Yeah. I have to eat right. I have to wake up. Yeah. I have to sleep right. I have to, I have to change everything for everything to change. Right. You know, here, here's one of the things that stands out for me, and it's not just because your friend – did your friend end up staying sober when he left that place? No, so he went out shortly thereafter. No, remember that. He went out, but then he came back. But then he came back, like yeah. you kind of got him back in, correct? Uh, I would call him every day, dude. I would – I did not – I felt like with me, dude, it's like you do something nice for me, I have a lifetime debt to you. Right. You know? Like, like – and, and, like, with me, it's, like, you could do things to, like, really piss me off. I will always uphold that respect to you. Right. Like, you helped me out, and I got to hold this. When he helped me like that, mm-hmm. I was, like, I cannot rest until I do the same for him. Okay, so this is what matters to me. This is what – one of the things that I always thought if I ever had Nima on the podcast that I want to talk to you about is this is what's important. Is like, you guys were in your early 20s. There's not a lot of people that are going to rehab or into a recovery environment where um, 
straight shooters are telling, like showing them the ropes of recovery yeah. that really come out of that and take this thing by the horns and remain sober. Yeah. Um, he helped you get in. You did well for yourself. You just you made a decision. Mm-hmm. You, you could have got how many years are you sober right now? Seven. Uh, I got sober in 2015, so that's six years ago. Six years. So six years of sobriety from a guy that was in his early 20s, yeah. early to mid 20s. We've been a, we've been in each other's lives yeah. in recovery more than we were before I met mm-hmm. you. Okay, so we've seen him come and go. Yeah, we've seen a lot of, and also the fentanyl craze wasn't nuts mm-hmm. during that no. time yet, although it was starting to hit the scene. Yeah. Real fentanyl. I yeah. mean, like, well, yeah. When we were when we were growing up and yeah. getting dope, we didn't want fentanyl. That was the cut, right? We wanted the dope. Right, we wanted the dope. But now it's like mm-hmm. the cut has over, uh, pretty much overpowered <laughs> so <weird>. the. So, <laughs> right. And so my thing is is, um, and that's why I can always use you as an example because I know you and I have talked, and sometimes I hear that you say that we've had our differences, but I think to myself, I never really remember having a difference with mm-hmm. with Nima. Because I always was hoping that we're on the same page. For one, because you went to a place where you got sober, where it was no nonsense. I went to a place where I got sober and it was no nonsense. So, like, we were kind of born and bred in recovery Mm -hmm. with a certain model and a certain mold of of a mentality that, like, we can't, like, no, I don't give a shit what the fuck happens in our lives. But using and drinking is not going to be an option. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just something that we – it's a personal decision. Yeah. And so how does one maintain that thought process or that belief system or that spirit that, that is enlivened? What, what, what cultivates What that? cultivates? What's going to keep it going? Because, I mean, I, I've never – personally, I've never seen you in relapse mode. Yeah. You may have behaved certain ways and done things that I don't know about that mm-hmm. could have – uh, put you in the direction of going towards a drink or a drug. Yeah. But I've never seen it with you. It's never been like so concurrent that yeah. it's like every time I see Nima, it's like he's getting worse. Right. We've seen it with people, right? right. Like yeah. yeah. So, so that's it's, the thing. It's easy to point out. And one, one of the reasons that it's same with your friend that did go back out and then came back. Yeah. Like there's certain friends of ours that we know they're here to stay. Yeah. Sober, yeah, yeah, yeah. sober, like me, no matter it. what, yeah. right? They might be doing little underground misbehaving type of behaviors, but they're not like putting themselves in a it. in a position where um, suddenly you hear they realize. We we sometimes hear about people that we are total surprised, like fuck, yeah, right like, what? What the hell? Yeah. Like we have friends that yeah. are actually of service and totally engulfed in the recovery process, but suddenly they overdose and die. Yeah. So so and then then we have friends that we know. Yeah. Like we just know the fuck. Like we've done everything. We've yeah, said yeah. everything. And then when it's a matter of time, it feels like you see them on a Facebook feed, uh, gone too soon and this, that. And then you're yeah. like, well, I mean, I kind of saw that coming. Yeah. Or I tried to talk to that person yeah. and tell them everything. Cause I always, I, I always thought it's really nice. Like when you go to a funeral and they have some people do a eulogy for you mm-hmm. and say all the good things about you. Yeah. Or it's it's really uh, interesting to see how many people will jump on a Facebook feed when a friend passes away to say, gone too soon, I'll miss you, I love you, can't yeah. wait, say hello to them upstairs, like when mm-hmm. all the old friends. But like, I'm this is what I feel, and I think you're the same way. 
what are we telling our friends when we know they're on a bad path? Like, are we being as straightforward with them as somebody was with us to, to enforce and That's fortify our recovery? Cool. Or are we just turning a blind eye? And not I'm even so glad you mentioned this, right? Because I struggle with this a lot, you know, and I don't, and I learned that it's not, it's case by case, yeah. right? It's like, you have to be like, it's like, it's like, you're looking for, you're looking for the dope man, right? Right. You got to assess who you're going to and you kind of got to read them, you yeah. know, and see how you approach them. Some people you approach super nonchalantly. Some people you got to approach aggressively, you yeah. know? Um, so I think it comes down to this, but dude, so I came from, we like, you know, yeah, I came from a very, um, no nonsense form of recovery yes. that some people would be like, yo, go report that man. Yeah. You know, like, like that's not how, that's like totally beyond ethics. Yeah. But I mean, what was the result, you know? Um, so it's hard being, it's hard to navigate, dude. I've, I've, I tried to take the approach that that person took with me and it failed immensely with, with others. People. Yeah. You know, being harsh, they just crumble, right. you know? And it's like, it doesn't help. And like all of a sudden I'm like, Oh man, what am I doing? Right. Right. Um, and then I've also taken like the very soft approach. Like, Hey man, it's okay, buddy. Like we're going to be fine. Yeah. It's okay. And that hasn't worked, but also vice versa. It's worked very well, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes on the same person, right? you're like soft with them. So you can't just be like, this is my method of recovery and this is what I'm going to do, sure. bro. Like my methods to recovery mm -hmm. with me personally, one way might work now. It won't work later. Mm -hmm. You know, now if I went to a place that I went through, I just probably be like, no, dude, why, why are you being so mean to me? Mm -hmm. Like, like, just tell me to do this like a, like a normal person. I'll go do it. Right. You know, like, like, like people who I look to for advice aren't like, Nima, you better sit down and shut the fuck up yeah, yeah. to this day. You mm -hmm. know, was that how they were talking to you there? Well, essentially, no, 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 no. But that's just like, yeah. no, once I said, I, I have a perception issue. Yes. The doctor tells me it's this is going to, that's what I'm, that's what I'm hearing, you yeah, know? So yeah. it also depends on that part too. Yeah. No, it was more so like, Hey man. Like, this is none of your business. Why are you so worried about this? Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, why don't you go find something worthwhile in your life and stop obsessing over bullshit? Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, like talking to me like a big brother. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Someone I know cares about me. Sure. But isn't going to sugarcoat it mm -hmm. because I don't have time. Like, I ain't, I'm not a candy dude. Can't sugarcoat me. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm on the verge of death. Right. You know, like. What do you do when someone's dying and you don't know CPR? Start slapping the crap out sure. of them, you know? Yeah. Like, so for me, navigating that has always been like very difficult. So I have to be careful with my approaches, mm -hmm. you know? But for me, yeah, man, I needed someone to tell me how it was. You know, I needed that hard approach with certain people today. Like, dude, with my buddy, like, he, he called me the other day and he was like, dude, I'm dealing with this. I, I have certain behaviors that I have not been aware of. Mm -hmm. And I was like, listen, bro. I was like, I love you so much. Mm -hmm. And I just gave him the hard truth. And I told him exactly what I thought about him. It's not a bad thing. You know? And it was hard for me to do that. Yeah. Because I didn't want to hurt him. And that's the thing that I think people need to realize is like, this isn't coming from a place of like wanting to hurt you. Mm -hmm. I'm sincerely trying to help you. <laughs> it's just the matter at hand is so severe. Mm -hmm. I have no time 
to be delicate. You know I just need to get it. Perfectly said. You know? That's exactly. And here's the thing. I love what you're saying. So 15 years I've been sober, I was taught by a certain approach. So I would take a certain approach. Mm-hmm. But I've also been able to change the approaches over the years. Yeah. I can say that I love you, but check this out. Yeah. Or I can be like, dude, you're going to fucking die. Like, have these talks. Straight up. You're you going to fucking die. You're doing a drug yeah. that's going to kill you in five seconds, even though you don't think it will, even though you see all your friends croaking yeah. from it. So, so I mean, time is of the essence sometimes. Yeah. There yeah. are friends of ours that are currently caught up, yeah. you know, friends and family that are currently caught up. And if I don't be honest with them, I will hate myself after Dude, that we the lose them that were, I say, I didn't do enough. I didn't say enough. Mm-hmm. What could I have said differently? And maybe sometimes if, if somebody's beyond human, human aid, you know, like yeah. they need to tap, they need to have that. Bro, spiritual Ronnie strength. Coleman can't lift that type of weight. Right. You right. You know what I mean? But I, I've always like thought to myself, like I commend Nima and I use you as an example for people that know you or don't know you. Um, that come into the path of recovery, but go back out and test the waters and keep relapsing where I say, talk to Nima. Fucking the guy has some time sober. He made an absolute decision, a personal decision to fucking not go back and chase the drugs or the alcohol and look at who he is. He's doing, he's chasing his dreams. I love what you do. I, I, I'm a fan from a distance. I, even though, like, we don't talk as much as we used to, mm-hmm. like, I see what you do. If I see you active doing Muay Thai or Jiu-Jitsu or going to a Rage Against the Machine concert <laughs> or or going to a rave even, which yeah. is, like, so out so of character. Feel, right? out, out of character for you. I, I realize this is what I think when I see you doing that stuff. I think he's living his best life. I, I see that you used to be uh, part of one certain community in recovery, mm-hmm. which was more molded and thought the way that you did as far as music, dressing, acting, yeah. being. And then I've seen you like blend into a whole other crowd of people yeah. and make friends with people yeah. that you probably wouldn't have before. Right. So it, it just shows me like you're expanding your yeah. horizons. You're, expanding your mind you're being more open to it and then the next thing you know this whole wall that you've built up against certain people that you thought you'd never hang yeah. out with become some of your best friends dude exactly right like it's 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 amazing like like dude one of one of my best friends in the world is a dude that you brought with you to try to talk to me you know you know what i'm talking about oh, yeah i do you know you had a little adderall problem yeah himself. exactly right right yes. Like, that's one of my best friends. I talk to him every day. Like, he's there for me, you know? Like, I've built some of the best friends that I could have ever built in recovery. And you know what it is, dude? It's like everything I do today is a recovery practice in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. I find a way for it to be, you know? Whether it's jujitsu or striking or hot yoga or going to a rave, going to a metal concert, It's like, it's like... People will be like, oh, well, you know, shouldn't you be at this recovery circle right now? Or shouldn't you be doing this recovery activity, which are all amazing. They're they're fundamentals, you know, and I think that's where you ask me, like, how did you hold on to the horn? I I made fundamental recovery ideas Mm -hmm. a daily practice for myself. Being consistent, right? That's, That's discipline. Right? Identifying where I have control in my life, where I don't, and relinquishing it. 
and the places I don't, being connected with other like-minded people mm-hmm. who are searching for recovery. Not always like-minded addicts, right. not alcoholics, but like-minded people searching to better their life and their spiritual condition. I detach myself from this label that like I'm weak because when you talk to normies and they're like, you're like, Hey man, I don't drink or I don't do this because I have this history. Right. They want to, they want to be very delicate with you. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we're going for. You know it, dude. It's right. like, I can go anywhere, bro. I like literally go into the lion's den of drugs, going to EDC first time. And at the time, mind you, my heart is shattered, broken right. from like, you know, my own life stuff. And there's all the drugs I could ever want. Literally, it's on the ground. You, you don't even need to ask. The whole thing. And I stay sober. But you would never be able to tell that I was sad or anything. Why? Because I was around my friends. I was around people who wanted to up, uplift others. Right. And these are the type of recovery things that I have. It's mm. the giving, right? It's coming back down to those spiritual principles mm. that are so far older than the idea of recovery absolutely right you know and where does that come from from a dude who was repping like horns all the time and like no religious stuff or anything like that comes from being open-minded trying it it your way and seeing that it works and that's why it's important to get down those fundamentals Mm -hmm. that first year of recovery to just be like hey man devote your life to this yes and we'll go and i was so fortunate in early recovery to have people who knew how to work with me. Mm-hmm. They knew how to work with the hard cases, right? So they would like challenge me. They'd be like, hey, Nima, I bet you can't stay sober for a year. So I could stay sober for two. Watch this. They're like, oh, says the dude who did not want to be sober a month ago. Right. You know, like, and then they'd be like, hey, man, listen to this. Try this for a year. Worst that's going to happen, you're going to look a lot better. So the cops ain't going to be looking for you, looking out for you as much. You're not going to stick out like a sore thumb. You'll probably have a job. You'll have more money. You might have a place. Yeah. You know, you might have a car to get around. He's like, doesn't doing drugs sound a lot more better with that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it kind of does. Like, give it a year. And if you still want to go out, I'll go buy you your first drink. I'll go, I'll take you down to Skid Row, get you whatever you want. Right. First one's on me. And I was like, huh. I was like, all right, you're on, dude. But I had to do it 500%. Right. So I did it. By the time I got my year, I didn't even remember that we had made that agreement mm-hmm. when I had 30 days or whatever. Right. And the dude comes up to me, amazing dude, shout out Wayne. Um, um, came up to me, he's like, so where are we going? Like, what do you mean? Are we going to like P.F. Chang's for dinner, you know, to celebrate? He's like, no, we're going to the corner. You want to go to Patsy's over here? Like, where do you want to go? I was like, oh my God. I was like, uh, can I redeem this next year? You know, we'll double if I could we buy the first two, you know, like I didn't want to, I didn't want to go out that night. I did not want to, I did not want to lose out on my recovery that held more value. And it's only because I did the fundamentals. Now it's like, dude, now that I know the fundamentals, if I ever get in trouble, you know, I'm in trouble because I'm at, um, I'm engaging in recovery circles, doing those fundamental things, right? Like going to the same place for 90 days in a row, you know, at a certain hour at night, you know, calling the certain people every day to check in with them, to let them know I'm okay. And I'm actively trying my best to be better. Right. You know, those fundamentals. Now it's like, dude, I go into a different community, such as like the jujitsu community or the yoga community. I know how to make friends. I know how to be a part of, I know how to give to that community based off of those fundamental ideas that I mastered. And now it's like anything can become 
a recovery thing where mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm good. You're not worried about me. Right. You know, like, like probably, you know, I don't do, I'm not as active in those basic things as much as I used to be. But like when you ask Pej, like, Hey, how's Nima doing? He's like, dude, I'm going to raise sober, like, like fighting, like doing all this stuff. I can like confidently see Yeah. Him. And he's taken a bunch of other people who would normally not do that type of thing with mm-hmm. them. And they're falling in love with it. And that's where, like, that's where I'm like, dude, this is better, bro. I see you comfortable in your skin. I don't see you as a person that's seeking approval. I, yeah. I don't I'm see a dude. I love, I like today, right now, like, I've been telling my friends, I'm like, I'm okay being Nima today. And that's when I feel like I'm in about. the flow of, like, the That's spirit. what it's all about. I think this, every human hopefully yeah. gets to that point in their yeah. life where they can just be hey, me too, man. good with who they are. Yeah. This whole thing of I'm depressed, I'm anxiety ridden, I don't know what the fuck to do, I'm sad. It's like because you're thinking about yourself all day. Mm-hmm. Break through that shit. Yeah. Go out and help some people. Be of service yeah. and watch how much less you yeah. be. And sad. do something that's hard. You know, yeah. challenge yourself. That's the thing. Like, like I look at like recovery almost like I look at drugs. It's like I have a tolerance to it sometimes. Yeah. Right. Like the same thing ain't gonna work five years down the line. Mm-hmm. Like I gotta switch it up. Right. You know, I got to up my dose a little bit, maybe even drop my dose, try something new, but in the form of something that's going to help my life that I can then take to help others. It's a formula. It's like this plus this equals this. You do this plus this, you'll get recovery. Love it. You know, love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, this was fun. Dude, I had a blast, man. I appreciate you. Know I love and adore you. It's so I love you too, man. Again. Yeah. And maybe we'll go uh, hit the mat one day. And dude, I would love that. I, I know you got some background and I see you. Dude. I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun, man. I love you very much. Thanks I love for all you the too. Thank today. you. And we're going to just phase it out. Phase it out. Forever phase it out.